Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... We have three experiences with the Holy Spirit, with, in, and upon. When you weren't saved or if you're not saved, the Holy Spirit's with you to convict you of sin and help you to see that you need Jesus. The Holy Spirit's there helping you see that you need to be saved. He's with you. When you receive Christ by faith, he comes to live in you, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He dwells within you, convicting you of sin, leading you into all truth. Then we can have uh, more. We can say, God, I want to be filled with the Spirit. I want to be baptized in the power of the Holy. I want the Spirit of God to come upon me. The Holy Spirit was not just for Bible times. The Spirit of the living God wants to live in and work through you. Today, Pastor Bill will study the message that Samuel gave to Saul concerning the Spirit of the Lord filling his life. Jesus said that we would be able to do great things through the Holy Spirit, and Scripture shows that to be true. Have you asked to be filled with the Holy Spirit in your life? The Lord wants to empower you to do powerful things for His kingdom while you are here on earth. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 10 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. What is important is that as I look at his life right here, it says God gave him another heart. Now, um, is this regeneration, right? Did God give him a new heart? Like when we get born again, is it that or is it God do something? Did God give him a, did God do something that was temporary? Did God do something that was permanent? And again, I can't answer all this. I know at this moment right here, God touches him and God changed him. God told him, I'm going to make you into a new man. And for a season, he walked in that, but then he walked away from it. And so at this moment right here, he says he turned away after Samuel at all these things that happened. And God gave him another heart. If you're writing notes, I want you to write down a couple of verses over in Psalm 51, uh, verse 10. After David had sinned with Bathsheba and he hid it for a year and he finally was confronted about his sin and he got he got dealt with. He prayed to the Lord and Psalm 51, 10, he said, Lord, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Uh, he prayed that God would just renew him. Do a, do a new work in my heart, God. He knew that that things had, had gone awry. Also write down Ezekiel uh, chapter 36, verse 26. Israel had been disobedient over and over again to the Lord, and God declared about them through Ezekiel that he was going to do something in them. In Ezekiel 36, 26, God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take your heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit in you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. And so God talks about Israel at a future time that he's going to take their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. He's going to give them a new heart. At this moment, God has taken Saul. We don't know anything bad about Saul up to this point, but God said, I'm giving you a new heart. I'm going to make you a new person. And he gave him another heart. He gave him a heart that at this moment, God was going to begin to use. If it ended here, if this happened and Saul lived faithfully, it would be easy to say, oh, wow, Saul was one of God's guys. But the fact that this this happened and he goes a little bit and then from there he just turns left and he he seems to go away, away from the Lord for, for quite some time. We'll discover it more. We'll talk about it more as we go through First Samuel. But verse 10, it says, And when they came there to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him. Then the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. 
And it happened when all who knew him formerly saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets that the people said to one another, what is this that has come upon the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? Then a man from there answered and said, but who is their father? Therefore, it became a proverb. Is Saul among the prophets? So uh, this is what happens. We know that Saul wasn't uh, a particularly spiritual guy, right? It was shocking for Saul to be prophesying. And so it kind of be like someone that, you know, you knew was living, not living for the Lord. And all of a sudden they're preaching like you preaching, you know, all of a sudden it would be it's shocking. Right. So they're shocked that all of a sudden Saul is is prophesying. He's with the prophets prophesying. And so but how does that happen? God did something in his life that day. God touched him. God poured out his spirit upon him. Much like I, I, the other person I could think about like this is Samson. So uh, Samson was someone who God's spirit would come upon him and he would wipe out all these Philistines and then he would go be disobedient, run up, go with harlots, disobey his parents. And then God's spirit would come upon him and he'd wipe out some Philistines. And, you know, it was like I'm like I was puzzled when I look at Samson, like, God, why did you pick him? He, he, was just, he didn't. He's not obedient. You know, I don't understand him. But again, I see at the end of his life, you know, the one time he finally prayed was at the end of his life. Um, he said, just one more time, let me, let, me, let me knock down this building and kill all these fools, you know. And so he, he got to kill a bunch of Philistines at the end of his life. But you know what? God knew in the beginning when God called Samson, he says, he said this about Samson in the beginning of his life. Samson will begin to deliver Israel from the Philistines. It wasn't like God was like, oh, man, he really let me down. Samson, did, he just didn't turn out the way I wanted. God knew what he was and how it would work out. And God knew what Saul was. Now, I tend to believe this. We know God is a jealous God. And people have rejected him and said, give us a king. God said, I'm going to give you all a king. All right. I got one for you guys. And they gave him Saul. Saul is like anybody that's ever dated someone and it went bad. That's what Saul was. Everything looked great. First date was awesome. Good looking. Starts off. It's like, man, this is this is man's pick. This is the best y'all can get. And, and then they have him for a little while. And then it's just not working out. It's like it's, it's, he was promising. It was so promising in the beginning. Then it all starts to fall apart. When it's time to go to war and they're like, go get the Philistines are punking us. The Philistines are literally, literally walking down the hill saying, Goliath is saying, who want this? You know, come, come on. That was supposed to be, that was Saul's fight. Saul was supposed to go down there and say, look, I'm the king of Israel. I got to take this fade. And Saul was like, any one of y'all want to fight him? I'll give you, I'll give you one of my raggedy daughters as a wife and I'll take you on. If you, if you live, I'll take off taxes. You won't have to pay your taxes. That's what he did. He did that. He, he didn't go fight himself. He sent somebody else. And, it, and then David does it. And then he's jealous. He starts hearing. It says the women were singing. Saul has killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands. And that was burning him. He was like, oh, he starts chucking spears at him. So we'll see as we go, you know. But at the beginning here, it starts off. He looks like it looks like a great pick. Again, this, this, this is why you got to pray about who you're going to date and who you're going to go out with. Y'all don't get with a Saul. Pray pray first. No Sauls. Y'all bring me somebody named Saul. I'm going to say, nope. Mm-mm. Reject him. <laughs> Move, keep it moving. So moving on. It says, um, verse 12, again, it says, Then a man from there answered and said, But who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb. Um, it's Saul also among the prophets. I, I want to point this out, that even though... Samuel had poured oil on Saul earlier. The significant thing took place when the spirit of God came upon him. The oil was symbolic of what God was going to do. It's when the Holy Spirit came upon him in verse 10 
That's the significant work of God. The Holy Spirit comes upon him. Here's what you could know about for your life, right? The Holy Spirit will come upon your life. And it, for you, it's, it's free for the asking, right? God tells believers that we can have an encounter. We have three experiences with the Holy Spirit, with, in, and upon. When you weren't saved or if you're not saved, the Holy Spirit's with you to convict you of sin and help you to see that you need Jesus. The Holy Spirit's there helping you see that you need to be saved. He's with you. When you receive Christ by faith, he comes to live in you, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He dwells within you, convicting you of sin, leading you into all truth. Then we can have uh, more. We can say, God, I want to be filled with the Spirit. I want to I want to be baptized in the power of the Holy. I want the Spirit of God to come upon me. That is what we see in Acts 1-8 where God told the believers, uh, the early disciples, he says, guys, don't leave. Y'all are not ready. He had breathed in them in John and they had received. They had the indwelling of the Spirit. But he told them, you guys are not prepared to go do the work that I've called you. Do not leave here until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And they waited there in Jerusalem until the day of Pentecost as they were there praying together. And it says at that day, the spirit of God came upon them and they spoke with other tongues. Uh, They were praising God in other languages. Uh, God's power came upon them. People started asking questions. They would say, oh, these guys are drunk. Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Check this out. Peter, who always was saying the wrong thing. Now he's baptized in the Holy Spirit. He steps up and he says, ah, these men are not drunk as you suppose. But this is actually what the prophet Joel said. He starts quoting prophet, quote, quoting the prophet Joel. He gives a, a off-the-cuff gospel message. 3,000 people get saved. Bang. Church starts. Early church. I mean, supernaturally, God just moved. This Peter now baptized in the Holy Spirit. You watch his life go, and God used him supernaturally. So my encouragement to you and myself as well is I know that the work that God wants to do through us is not something we're to do in our own strength. Right? Uh, we're told in Zechariah 4, it's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Spiritual work requires spiritual power. And it's something that we, God is our resource. We say, God, empty me of myself and fill me with your spirit. When I ask God to fill me with his spirit, I'm saying that God, I I intend to yield, right? Um, In Ephesians where it says, don't be drunk with wine, but we're in this excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. The word filled there is a, it's a nautical, a boating term. It's the wind that fills a sail. And the wind that fills a sail gives it both power and direction. So if you got a sailboat, the wind gives it power to go and it also gives it direction. The Holy Spirit saying, look, as you yield to me, I'm going to be the power source and I'm going to give you direction. I'll show you what to do, where to go, and I'll give you the power to accomplish it. And so it's, it's us yielding to the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And so here's the amazing thing for us is there for the asking for them. God would sovereignly decide. I'll give it to you. I'm, I need you to do this. I'm going to do this in your life. For us, God says, if you want to ask, I'm, I'm not going to tell you no. If you, you is there for the asking, you can ask and God will do it. And God will God will come upon you. Verse 13. Now it says, and when he had finished prophesying, he went to the high place and saw then Saul's uncle said to him and his servant, where did you go? And he said to look for the donkeys. And when we saw that they were nowhere to be found, we went to Samuel. And Saul's uncle said, tell me, please, what did Samuel say to you? Everyone regarded Samuel as a man of God. And when Saul's uncle heard that he had talked to Samuel, he said, "Ooh, what did Samuel say? I want to know what the man of God said to you. Verse 16. So Saul said to his uncle, he told us plainly that the donkeys had been found. Notice this. But. About the matter of the kingdom, he did not tell him what Samuel had said. So, again, another question. uh, Why did Saul omit 
a really big deal, right, that I just got anointed king of Israel. Samuel told me I was going to be king, and he's like, I'm not saying that. Now, it could be humility. It could be fear. I tend to believe there was some fear here because in a little while, at Saul's inauguration, they got to go find him hiding in the stuff. He's he's not there. You know, it's not so it it may be that he was not really receiving all this yet. It may have been a lot for him. Uh, There may have been some timidity or some fear. Um, We don't we can't say for certain, but he omits to tell him uh, this very important thing. He leaves that out for some reason. And again, I think it may be fear. That's what it looks like, um, again, because he's later on he's hiding. So uh, typically you hide if you're afraid. I think if he was excited about it, he'd have been he'd have been standing up like, you know, like waiting for them to announce him and bring him forth or whatever. But he was hiding instead. So I think he was fearful. Verse 17, it says, then Samuel called the people together to the Lord at Mizpah. And he said to the children of Israel, thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt And delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all the kingdoms and from those who oppressed you. Notice this. God is speaking to Israel. He's recounting to them all he did for them. He says, I brought you up out of Egypt. I delivered you from the hands of the Egyptians and from the hand of the kingdoms and from all those who oppressed you. Verse 19. But but you have rejected your God today. You have rejected your God. So. This is a hard thing at Saul's little inauguration. God is God is reminding them. I'm just reminding y'all before you get this king that y'all wanted. I delivered you. I had your back. I, I won all your battles. I took care of you guys. But you guys have rejected me. You guys have rejected your God who himself saved you from all your adversaries and your tribulations. And you have said to him, no, said a king over us. Now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your clans, I feel like that was God giving them one more chance. Listen to what y'all are doing. I delivered you. I brought you out. I took you out of Egypt. I beat all your enemies up. You know, all these things I did for you. And you guys said you want a king. So go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead and bring out all your tribes. Line them up. They could have said right then. Wait a minute, guys. Well, I don't want no. God, could you just stay? You know, they. I, I think that was they were given one more opportunity to say, nah, this, this is a bad idea. I don't know who the spiritual leaders were. I don't know where the person, somebody should have stood up and said, no, no, I don't, God, we want you to be the king. But this is what the people wanted. They wanted a king. And even though they're hearing the heart of God say, I did this, I did this, and you guys rejected me. And they're like, all right, bring it on, bring us our guy. So they're going to get what they want. Here's such an important lesson, you guys, because God is a gentleman, right? If you decide, God, I don't want what you, I don't want, I don't want you. God will let you not have him. Y'all know that? You could choose that. You could decide, I don't want this. And God will say, okay. That's not what anybody wants to do. Anybody dead without Christ, uh, I wish, I wish we could hear them talk. But God's like, no, you're going to hear me. Um, You got the same opportunities that they have. You got to hear me now. And so these people here are rejecting the Lord. And God says, there you go. Here's your guy. This is what you get. My encouragement, my exhortation, my loving admonition to you is do not do that. Do not reject the Lord from being the Lord of your life. His intention is for you is good. Everything God said about when he was over them, I saved you. I preserved you. I delivered you. I whooped your enemies. I took fed you guys. I, I took God is a good God. Amen. And so you wonder, like, what would make us not want him? And when I look back on why I rejected God. The stupid, this, how dumb the things were. 
um, the relationships that I did, there weren't going to be the habits that were going to you know, be my demise. All the things that I look back on, I, I was rejecting God for dumb things. And I, I had a I had a handful of counterfeits. Right. Why do you get drunk every day? Because that's how I have fun, because I don't have joy. Right. God said, you get saved, I'll give you joy. I also had a misunderstanding about what it was going to be like to walk with the Lord. I thought, man, uh, and, and that's maybe where church people can mess up. Right. I looked at those church people and I'm like, I don't want to be like that. You know, like I, I like to have fun. I like to laugh. I, I thought, man, if I get saved, like God's not going to let me joke. I'm not going to be a bag on nobody. I'm going to be I'm going to be sad and somber and all of that. And God was like, no, nah, I, 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 I'm so glad that that's not the case. You know, don't reject the Lord. You reject the Lord to your own hurt. And that's what they did here. And God just let them hear it one more time. Verse 20, it said, and when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. And when he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by families, the family of Matri was chosen and Saul, the son of Kish, was chosen. But when they sought him, he could not be found. Therefore, they inquired of the Lord further. Has the man come here yet? So they're calling out these families by tribe. Saul is the only one there who knows who the chosen person is. And as they, they get his family up there, everybody's there and they're finally like, OK, he should be here. And they're inquiring of the Lord. Is he here? Where is he at? So God had to God had to prophesy where he was. It says, and the Lord answered in the end of verse 22. There he is hidden among the equipment. So Saul was he was hiding under the equipment, you know, and again, this this would lead me to believe that maybe he was fearful of all this stuff that was coming upon him right now. It says, so they ran and they brought him from there. And when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, do you see him? Uh, do you see him who the Lord has chosen that there is no one like him among all the people? So all the people shouted and said, long live the king. And so they pull him out from where he was hiding among the equipment. He stands up. He's head and shoulders taller than everybody else, better looking than everybody else. And they all you know, saw him. There's none like him among all these people. And they say, hey, this is the guy. And they all shouted, you know, long live the king. And so this is his day. This is the day he's acknowledged before all the people. Verse 25, then Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty and wrote it in a book and laid it before the Lord. And Samuel uh, sent all the people away, every man to his house. And Saul also went home to Gibeah and valiant men went with him whose hearts God had touched. So as Saul gets ready to go down and get started, God touches some other men, um, some valiant men whose hearts God had touched. They go down to be with him. And uh, I thought that was nice of the Lord. He's a young guy. He's scared. God said, let me give you some brothers. I'm going to give you some valiant men. These are some warriors. These are some guys that can chop some heads off. He said, I'm going to send you some valiant guys whose hearts God had touched. I just I just like that that phrasing right there. That's 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 what I would want to roll with. Some valiant men whose hearts the Lord has touched. And then it says in verse 27, this is always the case. You put your hands to the plow, you get in the position to serve God. There's always going to be some people, somebody that don't agree, got something to say. And it's not any different here. Verse 27, but some rebels said, how can this man save us? So they despised him and brought him no presents, but he held his peace. Um, and so, you know, at this point, there's some humility, probably some fear. These men kind of disrespect him day one. 
You know, he doesn't jump out there. He's not a, at this point, he's not a fleshly man. He doesn't jump out there and say, hey, who pay me my respect? I'm the king. I can have your head. You know, he just lets it go at that point. Uh, he could have done something about it, but he held his peace. The Bible tells us self-control, I, I would say at this point. Um, and anything positive that we see here, the humility, the patience, uh, the self-control is quickly going to wane as we continue through his story. And so as we close this up, uh, a few lessons for us as we look at this king that that the people received from the Lord. Um, the number one lesson, I would say, is that we would not reject the Lord at any point in time in our life. Uh, if we do, just like these people, as, as they chose to reject the Lord, the Lord said, go for it. You, you can have life without me as long as you want. And he let them go. Uh, he let them go without him. Uh, and sadly for Israel, this would be the beginning of the end for them. This will be it's your first of many kings that are going to let you guys down a, a lot. And so um, first lesson for us that we, we would not reject the Lord, that we would yield to him, submit to him. Second, as we see the, the real power to bring about heart change and even ability to serve the Lord, it was the Holy Spirit coming upon Saul. It, it would appear, too, as you look at the work of the Holy Spirit, that that's the conduit through which that's where the gifts begin to flow through our lives as we are walking in the fullness of the spirit. And so I want you to be open to that. I want to encourage you guys that we would be open to uh, the, the filling, the empowering of the spirit of God upon our lives. Every time in the scriptures you see the Holy Spirit coming upon, uh, it would empower people to be of supernatural service to the Lord. Not natural ability, but God will God will enable us beyond our own ability. Um, God enabled Peter and God enabled Paul and God enabled New Testament. God enabled those that were serving him then as his spirit would come upon them. They were enabled to serve God in ways that they could never do in the flesh. But God was empowering them supernaturally. And so would to God that our whole church would be men and women that are baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would go about um, the Lord empowering and using us as we, we come to the end. Um, and, and just look at Saul as he was hiding among the stuff and had to be pulled out. Um, you know, I look here and I just see in, in the natural, he was afraid of this new venture, this new thing he was being called into. God called him. Unlike, you know, Jonah, who tried to run from the call of God, Saul doesn't do that. You know, he, he goes forward right here with what God's calling him to do. That when God calls us to do things, it, it usually is something that's beyond us and it can be scary. And while I made, you know, made fun of him for hiding in the equipment, um, there's a lot of people that hide in the equipment, so to speak. Know that God's called them to do something and you might not be hiding under physical equipment. You just ain't doing what God called you. You're hiding back. You hear an announcement for something, you know, that you're like, mm, no, I'm not going to say nothing. Something you know you can do. You're like, mm, no, I'm not going to tell him I can do that. You know, I'm, I'm not going to share that. Don't be like that. God will always call us to do things that are scary. This is why it's scary, because we know we can't do it in and of ourselves. And there's going to be it's going to require dependency upon the Lord. And so may I encourage you guys to, to not be scared, to not be afraid, to step out in faith and just let the Lord use you. Um, you might even step out in faith. Here's the thing. What if I step out in faith and fail? I, I'll close with this statement. It would be better to step out in faith, to, to attempt something great for God and fail. It would be better to attempt to do something great for God and fail than it would be to sit and succeed at doing nothing. And some people have succeeded for years at nothing. 
I'd rather step out there and be like, oh, that wasn't it. No, that wasn't it. Now I know that wasn't it because I did it. Um, but but we, we got to step out there and just let the Lord Lord show me. Uh, I'm going to trust you for great things. I'm going to believe you for amazing things because you're an amazing God. We're so glad you've joined us today here on A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. We're currently in the book of 1 Samuel. Many of the childhood Bible stories stem from this book. David is a main character, and he came from humble means. He was a simple shepherd boy, but God had great things in mind for him. He was a musician also, and this served him well as he was able to help King Saul. But more than these occupational type of skills, David had a heart for God like no other. God refers to David as a man after his own heart. What a compliment coming from the very creator of everything. This doesn't mean that David was perfect. As we all know, he wasn't. But his heart was continually coming back to God, seeking help, asking for refuge, and coming back with a repentant heart. This is the type of heart God wants from each of us. Do you find yourself looking up to David and his character? If you'd like to learn more about David in 1 Samuel, feel free to listen to more teachings from this series on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. That's calvaryinglewood.org. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Our time with you today is about up, but we encourage you to keep reading and studying this eventful book of the Bible. We're so grateful you took the time to listen today. And Pastor Bill will be back with more in the coming edition of 1 Samuel. Until then, keep your head in the Word and your heart close to God. Then, make sure to come back for another insightful edition of A Transforming Word.